Kings fans, are you ready to see that Stanley Cup banner raised again? You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The dreaded year of 2018 is over, dreaded especially for our LA Kings who have been absolutely horrible from January to December of 2018, but it's a new year, Vardy. It's 2019. Things might maybe be different. Um, new I don't year, know. new me, bro. But happy new year, Vardy. How are you tonight? Happy new year, big guy. I'm doing I'm doing very well. Uh, yeah. How about you? How are you doing? You uh- left me. At the end of 2018, alone and afraid, and you went somewhere. Where'd you go? Well, uh, like we covered, I went to New York. Um, it it was great. It was great. It oh, was cold. Um, being from LA, I'm still always amazed when I go to a city and their metro system is borderline Functional. flawless. Yeah, <laughs> and all you ever have to walk is like half a mile before you get mm-hmm. to your uh, stop or your next metro opportunity. So, no, it was a great, great experience. We were there for six days. It was nice. Ate a lot of good food. To um, tell. So the main, the, my main takeaway is before I went to New York, everyone's like, you got to have a bagel. And I was like, how good can a bagel be that I have to go to New York to have a bagel? Uh-huh. Now, my bagel experiences have usually been from Starbucks, uh, Ralph's. <laughs> You're slumming it, baby. So I so in you got to splurge for so, Einstein's every once in a while, right? Maybe so a Noah's bagels, maybe. But so I haven't really had a good bagel, I guess. So my thought was like, how good can a bagel be? Mm-hmm. And then I had a bagel, mm. and I under, and I understood. <laughs> I, I, I do understand now that a bagel can, in fact, be very good. Um, Indeed. Yeah, pizza, good. Did you have a pizza bagel? No, Because that would be no, ideal. No, I don't think that's ideal at all. I think that's travesty. And, <laughs> to both the pizza uh, and the bagel. To the pizza and the bagel, two things that everyone said you have to try to combine <laughs> them and, and say, I had a pizza bagel. It seems like our boy, the real Big Art, would be very upset with me if I did that. <laughs> Um, so no, I did not do that. I did have Lombardi's pizza, a very, I don't know. I don't want to say tourist trap cause that's not mm. fair, but it, we waited an hour. The pizza was great. Don't get me wrong, but there's now, something about their breads. If I could give one encapsulating mm. thing about New York versus LA, there's something about their breads, whether it be the bagel, the crust of the pizza, um, the garlic bread, whatever. There's something about that bread, man, that makes New York very, very easy on the palate. Interesting. So they're they're a carb city as far as you can as far as your review goes. I would say so. I, I had a steak. It was just as good as, you know, any good steak you can probably get in LA. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't have sushi. Although okay. I, I was told I may have missed out on something good there. But overall, I mean, I know I hate to focus on food so much, but overall, the breads really were my big takeaway from New York, New York food. That would—that's a very unique take. It's a very unique take, I think. Now, you and I have been to Chicago. You've now been to New York. Yes. The eternal question always persists: pizza style, deep dish versus thin crust. Chicago versus New York. You've—you've you've sampled them all now. I know you and I made a made a point of going to multiple. 
uh, deep dish stops in Chicago to really get yes. a sense of what the city was about with that. Yes. Where do you stand, my friend? This is a very difficult question. It is. Take your time. I'll tell if you this. If we need to cover the rest of the podcast about pizza, <laughs> damn it, we will. I mean, there isn't a whole lot else to talk about, right? Um, if I, I'm a thin crust guy in general, mm-hmm. but if I had to say with expectation and everything, going to the city where said pizza is best known, mm-hmm. the more impressive one was Chicago. Oh, my. Because... Being a thin crust person, going into a thick crust city, thinking that, I don't know, maybe my expectations were lower, but I remember that was, mm, that was mm, good. Exactly. And our dumbasses ordered a medium pizza each. Not smart if you're ever going to go to Chicago. I have no regrets. I have no regrets. (laughs) The good news is we had food for the rest of the trip because we did have to, we did have to put it in a to-go box. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's not a fair question, and my answer, I could probably write a paper on this. The most, the more impactful one was Chicago for me. I would read that paper, and even unread, I give you an A, friend, for the, for the unique approach of life analysis that thank you, you would probably take on that. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate You're, that. You are more, I, thank you. Thank you. My so, friend. so so how was your how were your holiday travels i know it you was were lovely in, it was lovely I, go? uh, I got a rare occasion of only working something like four days out of two weeks which is unheard of for me i, I didn't know what to do with myself there were so many days of being in pajamas I, I never thought i'd put on real clothes again but here we are i look like a normal human I'm yeah, for for anyone who wonders why we don't record, say once a week, mostly me. It's because of because fifty percent of our podcast is like <laughs> saving lives and doing and talking about more important things than some silly sport. So remember that, guys. Remember when you're putting in our reviews that half of us is saving lives. So that's I think that's like four stars automatically. Yeah, and, that's, and a, that's a gross I exaggeration, the, <laughs> but thank you. And hopefully, I can boost it up for that extra star. <laughs> But anyway, uh, everything was great. It's episode 33. As is tradition, I'm going to go to my co-host, Vardy. He's going to tell us whose episode it is. Vardy, take the floor. So I had some options here. Ooh. There's some greats. There's some greats that have rocked the 3-3. A couple come to mind. Mm-hmm. Marty mm-hmm. McSorley would be an easy option. Ziggy. Ziggy would be a fantastic option. Willie Mitchells. Willie Mitchell would be... My choice. Oh, it's Willie evening. Mitchell. I, I just have a soft spot for Willie. I was debating. I was I was I could have I could have thrown into Kevin Westgarth to really just <laughs> seal in spoil the, the pot. But uh no. Today is the Willie Mitchell episode of the Bannerman. Number we, Trace Trace. We miss you, Willie. We really, God, I, do. Really I, I would have him you. back in any capacity in this. But he's too, he's honestly, truthfully, if you've ever looked at Willie Mitchell's Twitter or Instagram or whatever, he's just loving life, living in the Pacific Northwest, catching trout, and just basically living his best life. And, and God bless Willie for that. Uh, you know, we didn't record at the end of December. Apologies to all. Because wouldn't you know it happened to be probably the one period of time where where the Kings were actually worth watching for like consistent games in a row. But uh, and here we are back in 2019. What's uh, what's old is new again. What's new is old again. We're back to the same 
same good things that we had come to expect in 2018. That that little glimmer of hope that the Kings injected into our system at the end of 2019, that maybe something magical, maybe, maybe you were watching this and maybe you started believing that this team still had a little bit of runway. They had the opportunity. They were starting to beat some teams. You could start convincing yourself. You could start buying into the hype just a touch. Nah. <laughs> now nah, we play it. We play it. Nah. So it was Winnipeg, San Jose, Vegas, Arizona, Vegas again, and then Colorado to end out the year. Kings win five out of those six games. After they beat Colorado, they are seven points out of a playoff spot. And like Vardy said, for maybe a second, if you were drinking that evening, you maybe thought that the Kings, if they string together, you know, a nice 20-game stretch, mm-hmm. they could get in. And and really, since then, only two games have passed, uh, Vegas and Tampa Bay. But the quality of those losses, I think, the, Man. <laughs> the, the way they lost Ooh. to Vegas and Tampa Bay, that kind of, yeah, that kind of brings you back down to earth real quick. Yeah, it's just... <sighs> I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, those – so let's recap here real quick. So the Kings go on their longest win streak of the entire season, a whopping four games. And likely the rest of the season that will be – Probably. Probably. Be honest here. Anyway. Yeah, four games. Four games. Winnipeg, San Jose, Vegas, Arizona. Four games in a row they win. And – at times during the, you know, it's it's hard for a team to look super good for that many games in a row for every single aspect. Obviously, unless you're Tampa Bay and you're apparently just December is just like, I don't know, beer league for you, apparently, who they've won like 13 <laughs> games in a row in December. But um, the Kings looked really good at periods there. Especially that Winnipeg game, they won 4-1. They were getting some secondary scoring from younger guys. I think we were all seeing some things that maybe made us a bit more hopeful. Then towards the end of that win streak, things got a little tougher. They came into the second game against Vegas on the 29th, lost pretty bad 4-1. And we thought, okay, that was was fun. But then they rebound a couple nights later against against, uh, Colorado, and they win 3-2. And again, that was a lot of times that was not a pretty game. They were holding on for dear life, which most people do against against Colorado's offense, truthfully. So I'm I'm not going to fault them too much for that. But they eked out a win in a game where they were, I believe, pretty handedly outshot. And they won five of the last six games to end out 2018. They were five, two and two at the through the last nine games of the year. And didn't look half bad. Truthfully, they didn't look half bad. I think even I think even Willie Desjardins was starting to believe that he was a good coach at the end of all this. I think Willie's always believed he's a good coach. That's probably true. We're Willie gonna, thinks everyone else is the problem. We'll be we'll be trying to debunk that theory for the <laughs> remainder of this episode and probably this season. I have a feeling a lot of this episode is going to be about Willie. Anyway, um, so yes, after that. Well said, Vardy. Close out the year. The Vegas game. Um, the shots, you know, sometimes the shots don't tell the story. The shots tell the story in this game. So much. Uh, I forget the count. 
I just know Vegas's shot total started with a four, and the Kings' shot store total started with a one. So even yeah. if it's 49-19, it's not good. You know what I yeah. mean? But it was 48-17. Possession, Vegas had the puck basically the whole game. Yep. It was very much as one-sided as a 2 nothing game could be probably is the best way I could describe that game. Right. And I think, I think a lot of the um... – you know, a lot of people who watched that game were of the opinion that the Kings kind of left it all out against Colorado the night prior. They were tired. They were coming in on a back-to-back. Come on. No. What have, that, it, it what have they been doing for the last four months? Exactly. Exactly. This was not a Please. unique situation. This was not a let's find reasons and excuses as to why they looked suddenly so terrible after, you know, winning five or six such at the end a, of the year. Such an emotional win. Right. You know, oh, Vegas had it out for them. They couldn't believe that they lost in L.A. in the prior game. Kings were coming off a back-to-back. What did it was you a back-to-back. Was I'll give them – fine. It was a back-to-back. But right. usually in a back-to-back situation, you lose the legs in the third. You start slowing down. This was from the, yeah. the from first the gate. whistle or whatever when the national anthems, the Kings had lost the game. Yeah. So And it was it – was, Save for Jack Campbell, there was there was no way that he game was, should have been two zero. He was he outstanding, was absolute fire. First game back, he looked great. He deserved better. He deserved so much better. Which, you know, quite frankly, a lot of the a lot of the Kings' goaltending efforts through this season have deserved better from the from the players in front of them. But it's crazy, man. When's the last time you remember a team being so bad when their goaltending was so solid? It's it's ridiculous. Goaltending is usually a major downfall. For any team that's at the bottom of the mm-hmm. standings, you can look at it through history. Very rarely has the team gotten solid goaltending and been this bad statistically in the standings, whatever. It, man, it's because yeah. some of the goals, and we'll get to this in the Tampa game, some of the goals these guys just have zero chance on. There's absolutely right. nothing they could do short of growing a third arm out of their ass or something and making some sort <laughs> of a save. I don't know what else they could do. Yeah. Uh, that Tampa some game. Of these I mean, that's Let, that's a good into, transition. To, let's get into it. So the Tampa game was last night, guys. In case you're wondering when we're recording this, and again, in case you thought that the Vegas game was a little blip, that maybe it was back to back, that maybe Vegas was coming out with something to prove against the Kings. Man, I I didn't think the Kings could look much worse than they did against Vegas, and then Tampa rolled into town, and it was. Worse than I could have possibly feared. Within the first 10 minutes of the game, the Kings were down on a five-on-three advantage for, I think, an entire two-minute period of time. I was I was kind of half-watching, and all I remember is they were on five-on-three. Two five-on-threes. Right, and then they were again on a five-on-three, yes. which, which is just silly. I mean— at that point, if you had if you had taken a shot of the Tampa Bay bench, I bet they were just like guys rubbing their hands and slobbering at the mouth to just get a hold of you know to get on the power play unit against the Kings, and it went exactly as you thought it would. Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, they just decided to make mincemeat out of the Kings' defense. They, you know, Jonathan Quick could not stretch his groin any farther than he was. Pucks were going end-to-end on the ice, across the middle, over sticks, reversing course. Jim Fox was just color commentating on how ridiculous the puck movement was, which, which it is. I don't want to take anything away from Tampa Bay. Clearly, they're the cream of the crop right now in the NHL. And Nikita Kucherov is 
the best player in the NHL this month. Like, no question. The numbers he's putting up are insane. But, I mean, it was just – they looked like it was it was two different classes of teams altogether. The Kings had no answer whatsoever. They, they didn't even know what the question was. That's That's how bad it looked to me. Here's the thing. I'm a hockey fan. We're both hockey fans first and foremost. We've said this on numerous occasions. Our favorite team happens to play in Los Angeles. That'll never change. But you you have to appreciate just the majesty with which <laughs> the Lightning executed on those five. Like, the passing, you mentioned Jim Fox, and man, it, it was just beautiful to watch. It, 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 it really was. was. You, for a moment, forgot or stopped caring that they were burying the team you love on these five-on-threes. And you always wonder and always this is a question I have asked almost out loud. It's like, why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. Why can't the Kings do – I don't think they've ever executed a five-on-three the way Tampa Bay executed on two of them. Um, clearly, the talent level is off the charts. I'm not even going to debate that, but let's say when the Kings won their cups, that little window of brilliance, I don't think they ever executed a man advantage, a two-man advantage. Anywhere yeah. close to what I saw on those two plays. Yeah, and I mean, granted, they weren't built like that. They didn't. I, I mean, I try and think of, you know, you bring up the talent, and I'm not disputing that. But when I think of the players that are on the Kings' first power play unit, to me, there's no reason why they don't have the talent to do simple things like this, to move the puck around quickly, to try and, you know, cross-ice pass it. They just don't play that way. These are these players are just not wired that way or they've been coached a certain way in their career now to this point where they're either discouraged or they feel like they shouldn't even attempt these passes. And I tweeted this out while I was watching the game, but it was just like, granted, this this comes from scoring, right? This comes from being successful out there. This comes from being a winning team. This comes from success breeding success. But watching Kucherov out there and watching Stomkos out there, these guys have zero fear they will try anything out there they are looking to embarrass the players in front of them because they know they can and every time they do they just get hungrier to do it again and that's that's what this comes from but to your point i don't remember ever ever the kings playing in a way where even when they were winning they were coming out and they were just going to absolutely smash the other team yeah, just take it to them. You know, there's, there's been a, a there's few been blips. Games. Yes, there ha- exactly. Name, there's been games I think, where- namely against Edmonton for like a two-year stretch where every game was like five, six, nothing Kings. Right. But other than, but even then, it wasn't like, you know, it was like a shot off the wing where you're like, oh, goalie probably should exactly. have had that. Then exactly, you know, Andreoff bangs one in or something, and it, before right. you know it, it's four or five, nothing. And Kopitar will have his like random games sometimes against like Colorado or San Jose where right. he just goes off, and you're just like, where has this guy been? Where has this right. dude who is getting these smooth zone entries, isn't afraid to drop his shoulder, isn't afraid to pull up, find the seam? And that's been one of our major complaints. If the, if you can have one against Kopitar for his entire career, is that he just looks like a world beater from time to time, and then other times it's back to that same holding the puck against the half wall and standing in place kind of play. But I mean, it just it, it looked like they came into the Staples Center yesterday ready to put on a clinic, and the Kings were more than happy to oblige them. 
Now, to be fair. No, that's what happened. <laughs> to be fair, two five-on-three goals, it's hard to say this team blew you out of the building. But it did not stop there. I think that's <laughs> right. I think that's where the difference is because right off the bat, I think seven minutes later, Callan scored 25 mm-hmm. seconds into the second. McDonough scores, and, it, and it's it's a friggin' boat race. It's over. It's 4 nothing. Austin Wagner gets one for the Kings. Um, I joke that he's really earning his eight minutes of ice time. I'm sure we'll get into that because it is – I don't get it. I just don't get it. There's nothing no anyone does. anyone can tell no me that'll, that'll make any sense. Sorry. So don't even try. Stomkos, another power play goal, uh, and then they trade goals in the third. Kings get a power play goal late. Six to two. Uh, that's a tough one. That's a you know it's the best team in the league. Fine, but you you just can't you can't be out of the game like that. I mean, you can't leave your goalie out to dry like that. What is Quick yeah. supposed to do on the first three? Nothing. There's nothing. Even Callahan's goal, he can't do anything. It's a, it's kind of a half breakaway. Right. I don't know who dogged it there. I can't remember. Muzzin. I, someone Muzzin dogged tried it. On, to, yeah. Muzzin and, tried to sneak a pass. Muzzin, I think, uh, started feeling encouraged by Kucherov, or maybe just stopped caring because they were down three-zero by that point. But he tried to, he tried to give a, a full cross-ice pass from the left wall to the to the center. I think cutting up, um, and it just didn't have enough on it. And Callahan read it perfectly and picked it up. And he had two strides on Walker getting into the zone. There was there was no chance that anyone was going to catch up to him. Austin Wagner, like we said, had the goal. He was one of, I think, three-plus players for the Kings that game. Eight minutes and nine seconds, the lowest ice time among any forward in that mm-hmm. game. Matt Luff beat him out by a whole 50 seconds. Those are your yep. bottom two ice time getters. <laughs> Is that, I don't know. Yeah, Low, two, the two lowest ice time goes to those two players. I don't know. I don't know. Brandon Leipzig, 15-28. Which is lots of power play time for Brennan Leipzig all night. Three minutes thirty eight seconds on the power play. Matt Luff on the power play. You want to guess? Zero. Four seconds. Mm. He's not using his time effectively, as far as I'm concerned. Four seconds for a guy who, at some point, was basically on fire and has a good release and is a goal scorer. Yeah, Yeah, you want to you want to cool a player off. That's how you do it. But apparently now Ilya Kovalchuk is in the good graces. Of Willie Desjardins because of reasons that neither of us could tell you. Just like I couldn't tell you why he was getting fourth line minutes, I can't tell you now why, as of today, he's on the right. first line. He was rolling with the first line today. Why? Yeah. I'm not There's complaining. Just, I just want to know why. Yeah. You just want to understand. Explain to me why. That's yeah. all I want to know. Explain to me why Nate Thompson had more power play time than Matt Luff and Austin Wagner combined. I don't have answers to these things. I don't know if anyone does. I think even my theory of Willie Desjardins is coaching to get wins however he thinks he's going to get wins. He's not coaching to develop the future of this team. Even that doesn't make sense. And and one of our, uh, one of our followers actually tweeted and said, well, 
who, which, which team or which general manager is going to be inspired to hire the guy who, who keeps using Brendan Leipzig and, and Nate Thompson on the power play? Like who, who does that inspire to, to, you know, as a job audition for a different coaching gig? And, and that's, it's an excellent counterpoint. Cause I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what Willie Desjardins is doing most of the time out there and what his approach to coaching is anymore. And they're not going to fire him. They're not going to fire two head coaches no. in one year. He's obviously not coming back next year. I, I don't know if it could be any clearer than it is. And so we just have to struggle through this for the next 40 games. I just want to point out that the only loss in that Kings little mini streak was to Vegas 4-1, to like we said. Mm-hmm. In that game, inexplicably, this is the only way I could describe it, inexplicably, Austin Wagner was a healthy scratch. <laughs> And, against one of the fastest teams in the league. And by the way, he was in the lineup for each game of the, of the five out of six that the they game won. prior to that, didn't he? Was it that was it the game prior to that one or the game prior to the prior one? He had two goals in that one. His first two goal effort as a pro. I want to say it was Winnipeg. I want to say it was that first game in Winnipeg. Was it not mm. where he got? Yes, it was. That first one where he got the tip off Brickley's shot. Right. And then he got another one. Uh, late before Nate Thompson sealed it with the empty netter. So the Winnipeg game, which started the winning streak, Wagner gets two. He plays each game of the winning streak, mm-hmm. which is four in a row. Gets pulled out of the Vegas game. Kings lose. Back in in the Colorado game, Kings win. I'm not saying Austin Wagner is the reason the Kings won those games. Don't misunderstand me. But why? Why would you mess with the lineup that won you four straight? <sighs> I don't get it. I I really don't get it. Especially especially a player that is seems to be a part of your team moving forward. Yeah. I, I, I that's that's just been my biggest complaint really. I could tolerate the losing because I don't necessarily blame him for that. They were, you know, the Kings were losing before he came around. And because of injuries and whatnot, you've been forced to bring in guys like Matt Luff and Austin Wagner into your lineup more consistently. You know, Mike Amadio, who I thought was was pretty much a lock for an NHL spot now going forward, he got sent back down in favor of these guys staying up. But if you're going to keep them up, why are you only playing them eight minutes? I, I don't understand. Like, what are you looking to gain at this point? What have they shown you out there that makes you think that they're not going to help you actually win? Yeah. I just don't understand. For I anyone curious, in that two-goal game for Austin Wagner against Winnipeg, his ice time was eight minutes. Right. It's like he's got a little internal clock that any time it's, it's Wagner or Luff gets to eight minutes, he just, he just stops. <laughs> it's pretty impressive because in that game it was eight minutes flat. Right. Not one second more. Uh, the San Jose game where the Kings won, though uh, Austin Wagner got four minutes and five seconds, so which is just insulting. Like I don't <laughs> even know if it's you. like I think if you were to ask me ahead of time and be like, I'm only going to give you four minutes tonight. Do you feel like dressing or do you feel like hanging out in the press box? I'd be like, give me a f-ing hot dog. I'm going to hang <laughs> up up there. <laughs> four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. This is a very. This man is very odd. You know, again, I always say this. 
He is an NHL coach. He has mm-hmm. coached. Well, thanks to the Kings, he's an NHL coach. Yes. This, this is a factual statement. He has coached at levels that— Well, he that, coached Vancouver, too, so I mean— Correct. And he has coached at levels that, you know, are impressive. He has coached impressive players. He has impressive credentials at the junior and minor league level. He probably understands hockey better than I do. I'm mm-hmm. not even going to sit here and act like I know better than Willie Desjardins. But some of these decisions are dumb. <laughs> uh, that was nice. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. So that's that's going to be the pace, I think, for the for the rest of the year. I, I don't anticipate them really turning things around. I, I I feel stupid for even having believed at some point. Not that I thought they were going to make a playoff run or anything silly like that. It's it's as we've said time and time again. It's nay impossible to do that when you've started the first half of the year out so badly. But I thought I was going to see maybe a, a change in the brand of hockey. You know the 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 type of game that they were playing when they went in that little five of six win win streak versus how they've looked in the last two games, it could not be more drastically different. Like they just look completely outclassed, completely gassed, completely confused against better teams like Tampa and Vegas, the last two games. And I, I just don't understand anymore as to what, what drives this team. I think that's the bigger problem is even the better players, even the veteran players have accepted at this point that this is such a, such a lost season and that a lot of them are not going to be here come March that they're finding it hard to motivate themselves to play for Willie Desjardins. Who's, who's also a lame duck coach at this point. I think a lot of them, the thought is becoming quite quickly a reality in their heads that, that they're not going to be in LA anymore past the trade deadline. And whenever a team gets ahead on them, or just comes out and clearly wants to win way more than they do. They just accept their fate in a lot of ways. Okay. Let's look at the Jack Hughes sweepstakes here. <laughs> Three-way tie for dead last 35 points, Philly, Ottawa, Los Angeles, by virtue of games played, which the Kings have the most, they are dead last 31st uh, trailing not too far behind Arizona, 36 points, St. Louis, 36 points. And then a three-way tie for 37 between Chicago, Detroit, New Jersey, those are basically the teams that are that are going to be there mm-hmm. at the end. Um, and Edmonton's so, just been an absolute free fall, too. There was a few games where they were doing really well once once Hitchcock kind of took over and everyone was like, see, look at him. He's he's changing the culture there immediately. Yeah. And it's like, nah, <laughs> nah, it's going to take way more than that. Three, six and one in their last 10 for the Oilers. Yes. Um, yes. So not good. Can take a colonoscopy all the way up to the front office in Edmonton to really clear the culture here. I think. Yeah, I'm. I think they're. I think Chirelli is just always trying to recover. Forever will be trying to recover from that Hall for Larson deal yep. by making these other deals and hoping, like praying, that he wins one so blatantly, yeah. so clearly that everyone's like, "Oh, okay, cool," you know. Yeah. But you can't because right now his headstone's gonna read, "It was one for one." <laughs> that's that's really. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here lies Peter Chiarelli. It was one for one. <laughs> cool. That's good. Uh, should we look at the schedule ahead? It's not. I mean, we have the Oilers on Saturday night. 
just Connor McDavid's a good hockey player. He's, he's the best be hockey player. He's he's the best at hockey's. He's the best at hockey's, and he's so good that even the Oilers couldn't ruin him. So if you want to understand how good this kid is, that's right. Um, his talents outweigh the lack of development and overall knowledge of hockey that's going on. Yeah, in Edmonton and these lack days. of supporting cast and lack of a defenseman who can actually give him a breakout pass. Edmonton, San Jose. A couple of days later, Ottawa, then Pittsburgh. I don't know. Maybe they make a run. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Don't like that San Jose game on Monday. It's going to be ugly. It's um, going to be ugly. Ottawa, you know, not good. Don't get me no. wrong. Will never be confused for a good team. Dead last currently <laughs> with the Kings, but they can score. They can, and they have they have some man. I've mostly because I've been trying to follow along with who else is terrible with the Kings, and I've uh, so Ottawa's uh, Ottawa's first round pick belongs to Colorado. Yeah. In case anyone's curious, so yeah. the worse Ottawa does, the better that is for Colorado, mm-hmm. um, because that's that's how the universe wills it right now. Um, but they've got some solid players on an otherwise terribly constructed roster. No, they have uh, high-end, really good high-end players. Yeah. I think uh, – so Thomas Chabot has, has stepped in really Shabbat, nicely. Yeah. Is it Shabbat? I think they say Shabbat. Shabbat? Really? Yes. yes. I, I would not have thought that. I thought the T would be more French in it, that finish. Not as French as you thought. In fact, the goaltender uh, – I'm, I'm Frencher than a, they are. Interesting. I believe the Kings had a goaltender with the last name Shabbat, and it was pronounced Shabbat. Interesting. Yes. All right. Well, I learned something today. Well – Thomas Shabbat, yes. the robot Shabbat, um, has stepped in very nicely for them and played fantastic hockey. He's got 38 points. He's essentially been an Eric Carlson replacement for them. And I don't want to give them too much credit, but maybe they, they thought that that was going to be the case. And that made them feel a little more comfortable about trading Carlson. But here we are. He's got 38 points in 38 games and is miraculously only a minus three on this tire fire of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been something awesome for them. And then, uh, I believe I want to say it was Mark Stone has just been actually an awesome, uh, offensive defensive player for them, a very silky like player for them. And just looking at through some of their advanced stats and stuff, he's just been a fantastic, uh, guy for them. And so over, yeah, 40, look, yeah, over a point a game on this team and plus 11, yeah, plus 11 on this How team. does that happen? It's yeah, amazing. I don't know. So they've got some they've got some solid guys on that team that are worth watching. Oh, yeah. Matt Duchesne's having a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, Brady Kachuk looks like he's going to be a good player in a season or two. You know what it looked – Jack Hughes would have looked good on this team moving forward. But, he would. But they, he would. They had to have that Matt Duchesne. I mean, the guy who's not going to be around next – isn't he UFA this, this summer? Yeah, but I think they're – Talking extension. I think he wants to stay, which is weird. That's madness, isn't it? Why? <laughs> it ain't gonna be good. It's gonna be bad. But I but think Duchesne and Stone are both gonna get extended. Which I thought they're all leaving. I thought this is gonna be. You just, uh, you just needed a, a hidden Uber video to bring everyone together. Apparently, right? Especially after that, I was like, okay, now for sure. Yeah. But now it's like, no, we love it here. We love our power play coach who we rinsed <laughs> in the car. Uh, so, 
interesting things are going to have to happen in Ottawa because they certainly can't count on their first round pick to help them, uh, you know, continue the rebuild going forward. I mean, Colorado needs that pick. I know they're desperately, desperately. No, no. Look, I know you're being sarcastic, but oh, if you, if well, you, you, I'm sorry. My bad. If you look, there they are the definition of a one line hockey. It is insane. Mm-hmm. They have nothing. If those guys are shut down, they are done. And their record in the last ten games shows Not you just pretty. that. Not good. Uh, they are very much. They're a streaky team because they go as like a handful of guy guys go. So, in reality. They do need a second-line player, the caliber of Jack Hughes. Uh, not more than the Kings. Let's not get crazy here. Mm-hmm. I think if, if, I, if I looked at a team and I said, which team needs Jack Hughes the most? It is not the Chicago Blackhawks, I'll tell you that. It, it's, a, it's a good question, though, isn't it? Who needs this kid more than – is it the Kings of so all 31 okay, teams? So we're, so we're playing a game of, of the bottom five teams – of the lottery teams in the NHL, if if the lottery was arranged based on perceived need of a terrible player, kind of like how beer league is, where you know you guys you have guys who try out, and then whoever's running the beer league system decides who gets the the best player, and then the worst that kind of that kind of layout is that what we're doing? Okay, fine, <laughs> that's fine. Let's say, like in fantasy hockey, you know, there's okay. a player there just go. a player creeps up, and the worst team gets to pick this player. Yes. Um, which team? I'm going to say from the bottom 10 teams. Okay. I'll play this game. Needs Jack Hughes the most. Now, I want to clarify something. Jack Hughes is not going, likely not going to be some savior for most teams. He's going to be a good, really good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would argue that it's not – I'm comparing him to Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is not what makes the Leafs good. It's everything that includes Austin Matthews, the Marners, the Tavareses, the young players they have, Morgan Riley playing like friggin' Bray Bork. That helps. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that. So I guess with that in mind, if you had to put him on one team that needs him the most, from Los Angeles, Ottawa, Philadelphia, Arizona, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, New Jersey, Carolina, and Florida, from those 10 who needs him the most? <laughs> Maybe Detroit. Detroit is my answer too. I mean, I, it's just I, I look at there their, is the, nothing there. Yeah, <laughs> like Dylan, I mean, there's Larkin. Dylan Larkin and Andreas Asanatsu or is you know they're good players, and at one point Dylan Larkin looked like he was going to be a franchise center, but I I would say Detroit, truthfully. That's my Truthfully. answer too. Because Philadelphia, get out of here. Yeah. You guys no. are loaded on offense. It's everything else that sucks on yeah. your team. Um, New Jersey, Nico Hischier, you just had him. Enjoy it. Right. That's enough you have, for you. And you have the 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 Art Ross winner. Uh, last or the, the heart, heart, the heart winner. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're good. You're fine. We're good with you. Florida, you're just too good of a team. I don't know why you suck. <laughs> Seriously, dude, why yeah, is this team bad? I agree. They, for, Barkov, they only improved. Hoffman's <clears throat> been a great addition for them. Hoffman's Barkov been a great is addition. like is basically a Selkie player. Their top six is stacked. Mm-hmm. Dadinov, Hoffman, Barkov, Huberto. Is Trocek still hurt? Trocek, uh, he's only played eighteen games, so throw him in there too. Nick Bukestad's 
you know, a decent player, a top six player without a right. doubt. And they're all none of them are old. Why are they bad? Yeah. It's it's Bobby Lou. It's is a mystery. Not, it's not terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so they don't need him, is my point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Chicago, you know. I, they need nothing. They <laughs> just need to stop giving eight-year, $80 million deals to players and getting stuck in salary cap hell. That's That's been their problem. You know what's funny? A lot of people saying that Panarin's going to go back to Chicago. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Imagine Saad and Panarin. Back in Chicago, that would be funny. Sod's there already, obviously. Right. St. Louis, I don't feel bad for them. They have good players. I Top to bottom, would you say their roster is better than L.A. right now? Absolutely. And outside of goaltending? Yeah. If you consider Ryan O'Reilly, They're, they're another team that Tarasenko. I don't understand. Because we remember, remember our offseason preview. We kind of talked about at the end of it all, after all the free agent moves and everything that – you know, St. Louis had added a bunch of guys that we thought were were very St. Louis players, but yep. their roster overall we thought was was much better than it was the year prior. And Ryan sure. O'Reilly has been a great addition for them. He's, he's so I, on most nights he's all they have. It's crazy. Yeah. Braden Shen for all his, um, I think last season right is where he had his big breakout season. Right. I can't I can't seem to remember. He's right. still he's still playing well, but I don't think he's. I think that's really where it's at. It's you know you're you're not getting the same level of production from Shen Tarasenko and and you know the Steens of the world. This is like a St. Louis thing though. It's like good, not great. Yeah. And O'Reilly's the only great, close to great. With he's almost a point a game. And then it's David Perron, their second leading scorer. You right. don't want you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. You want to see yep. Tarasenko, uh, Shen. You want to see Jaden Schwartz taking steps. All right. Uh, which is what's kind of brought up these Tarasenko trade rumors, which I think would have been crazy town early. I mean, in the offseason, yeah. if you were talking about St. Louis moving Tarasenko, that would be nuts. Yeah. But now there's a ton of smoke out there that, that you know, as the team goes, they think they can get a lot for Tarasenko and that they're, you know, they're listening. Yeah, which I hope, I hope the teams nuts. aren't. I don't think. I mean, I don't. That doesn't help either team, right? Like they're they're no, gonna, they're going to trade him to some playoff contender if anything. But problems, problems everywhere. Um, Arizona, why are they bad? Where you know, they're, they're another team that we kind of looked at and we thought they were going to take a step forward. They had added some really good pieces in terms of Antti Ranta being in net. Um, Galchenyuk has not been terrible for them, although yeah. I think if you were to kind of look at that as of right now, if if you want to crown a winner i think max domi's fit in really nicely in montreal and is pretty happy there yeah and they seem to love him um they're playing well surprisingly yeah. i thought they were going to be a complete catastrophe so right and so i don't know if it's just again if it's the younger guys not really stepping forward but clayton keller's got 29 points in 40 games not terrible ekman larson's still doing well they just—they're not getting enough offense. There's just a big drop off there, though. Right. You know, after those names, like just a bunch of dudes. And now Nick Schmaltz is hurt. Like Nick Cousins, and <laughs> Hinestroza. You know, like just these guys. Right. And in fact, I remember back uh, going back to the Arizona game. We tweeted out that the fact that Brad Richardson is leading <laughs> that team in goal scoring makes me feel significantly better about the Kings. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy. Flyers. We're doing a little. We're going through the league. We're yeah. doing an autopsy I think here. We've, I think we covered 
everything we need to cover for the Kings. Offensively, man, they're just what a gifted team, and they just can't outscore their problems. I think that's yep. what it comes down to. Goaltending yep. being at the very top of that, of course. Carter Hart, they rushed them because they had to. Carter mm-hmm. Hart was not supposed to play this season, I think. Uh, they brought him in. He won his first game. I think he won two. His first yes. two, and everyone was like, you know, here it is. Friggin' uh, Ron Hextall is here. Bernie Perrant, the second coming. Then he lost three in a row. And they're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Our bad. Uh, yeah, we're done with that. Michael Neuwirth, get in here. Get in here and clean this mess up. Yeah. I think they acquired Mike McKenna, who was on his 20 something pro team. <laughs> His jersey collection is probably epic. I think he's – he mentioned how he was collecting those jerseys, by the <laughs> oh, way. jeez. Which is very cool. Uh, uh, but, yeah, there's another just an odd kind of team that you can't really get the pulse of about what the yeah. hell's going on there. So, so to, there we go. If I look at – Bannerman say it's Detroit. But <laughs> That's looking, where Jack Hughes should go. But looking at these teams and watching enough games where I could kind of tell you like who I think is a better team play the way they're playing, not on paper. I still think the Kings, the way they play is the worst in the NHL Yeah, in the 42 games they've played because the, the lows were really low and the highs mm-hmm. have been almost non-existent. Ottawa has given opponents some tough games and Ottawa is actually a okay home team on the road is when they're garbage. Mm-hmm. The Kings are just bad <laughs> anywhere they Every play. Equal facet. opportunity. Can I ask a question? Sure. Do you think Jeff Carter is done? What is what's what's bothering Jeff? He's certainly right his body language suggests he could care less. I'm not trying to be critical of him. He just he seems super checked out. I don't know if I've ever. It was funny. I was thinking this that usually we talk. In, uh, in positive praise when we say that he looks effortless out there. And now I say he looks effortless out there, and I don't mean that as a as a compliment. Yeah, he's uh, he looks like he's coasting a bit. There's some passes, some plays he makes where you're some like – Very ill-advised backhand sauce attempts in the middle. Of that. And I'm like little like, flutter balls, like barely yeah, anything like on it. doesn't get all of it at all. Yeah, he doesn't look engaged at all. I mean, look. And I haven't seen that at any point in L.A. I know that he's got this knock on him from from the half a season he was in Columbus that oh, he just looked like but he, he dude, could not he, care he less. He was scoring in Columbus. Look at his numbers. I know. I know. But it was an effort thing. It was a lack of effort thing that's still. Okay. Uh, hold on. I'm going to pull up his Columbus numbers just for fun. 30, okay. 39 games played, 15 goals, 10 assists, 25 points. Wouldn't you say that's right along? Yeah, that's Jeff <laughs> that's, Carter numbers. That's Jeff Carter. You know, point per game is probably right there where he always is. Right. So maybe they just weren't understanding of the fact that he is an effortless player when he's on his game as well. But yeah, this season he does. I don't know if it's because the team's not playing well and he understands he's been around long enough or he's old enough where he understands that this is probably not going to happen for us this year. But yeah, he doesn't look like he's very involved in much right you know it's been but at the same time it's like you keep hearing these 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 rumors that you know if he were traded he'd rather retire than go anywhere else in la so it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me i'm very very 
confused as to what's going on and whether he's still limited by his injury because he didn't look limited to me when he came back at the end of last season he looked pretty good he was finding different ways to score it wasn't the classic Jeff Carter streaming down the wing and releasing a sick wrister to the upper corners kind of scoring but he was finding ways to score dirty goals and I'm not even seeing him going anywhere where the high scoring opportunities are anymore he just looks completely checked out and I don't know what to do about that not that I can do anything but I just I don't know. I was going to say there's nothing you could do about it. Yeah. Unless Jeff's a subscriber. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate the support. Yeah. Um, it's been Kolpatar Brown, Dowdy, follow. I think for the most part. Jake Muzzin obviously is having a good good season for his standards, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot, of, lot, a lot of people will say Kolpatar – isn't giving us what we're paying him to give us and a lot of crying about him. I I rarely really have a big problem with him game to game. Yeah, there's games where you're like, it'd be nice if he could just do something other than that, playing it safe on the half wall and playing along the board so much, take it to the middle. Yeah, that would be cool. But overall, I don't have a problem with the way Kopitar is playing. He's, He's, I don't think he's not trying. He's trying. I don't know if it's the way he was raised or whatever, but I think he's one of those players that's like takes everything seriously and he he shows up every night and he tries every night. Ditto for Brown. Dowdy, I don't think anyone will ever question. Yeah. Ever question. Effort effort. is not the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, So. Let's let's talk about something briefly. Otherwise, I guess not that not that you and I are particularly huge marks for this but the all-star game rosters were announced oh yeah and then every year some team gets offended that some random player is not on there oh know, you know what this year's is morgan riley and mitch, mitch Marner. Marner, the big those two guys yeah yeah which is which is here's the thing there's three san jose sharks already uh going i believe between uh Burns, Carlson, and Pavelski. Correct. And they still have the potential to get Logan Couture voted in, which I think is highly likely because, again, the game's in San Jose. The last man in. Right. Whatever this new thing is that they're doing, that every every team gets one guy that they can vote in, Mm -hmm. which basically is is just dumb because – I would say almost 90% of the time you would expect that the that the home team has the advantage in that scenario. So you might potentially have four San Jose Sharks in the All-Star game because it's in San Jose. But mm-hmm. that's not going to stop people from being offended that Mitch Marner or Morgan Riley aren't there. And to that I say it doesn't matter. It's a stupid um, exhibition game designed to cater to the fans of the city that it's in. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see every uh, conference or division, whatever, get – every division get one write-in player mm. written in by the fans. Mm-hmm. So, so just have bigger rosters overall? No, instead of this last man in thing or whatever the hell they're doing right now, what are they doing with this la- – they're just trying to add one more player. They're trying to add one more player? To each division? Right, but they don't want it being – the John Scott situation but where why? it's open to everyone because because it makes a laughing stock of the all-star game the <laughs> sacred sacred all-star game yeah it was really it was really serious when Phil Kessel was the last man to be picked in that that one year they did it and everyone had every camera on him and laughing at him 
the sanctity of the All Star Game was was protected on that evening. Um, but it, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you do one right in player for each division and you open up that John's embrace the John Scott thing, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not gonna get. Yeah, maybe you will get a. I don't know. Maybe Ryan Reeves goes in for the Pacific Division. You know what I mean? We're not. It's not like I'm a Ryan Reeves fan, but I, th- I think it would be fun to have Ryan Reeves in the All Star Game. Sure. You know, it would have a few chuckles. And the, who is it on that John Scott thing that said like, "Oh, they're laughing at you, John." You know, it's. A, I think it was Ronick. It had to be Ronick. It's such a Ronick. Such thing. a Ronick thing. So that's the, like make it fun. You know, put in a legend. Yeah. Put Wayne Gretzky on the Pacific Division All-Stars. That's, yeah. Put Lemieux in the Metro. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's have some fun with this thing. Marcel Dion, get in there. Uh, They'd so get injured. That's a bad idea, guys. Do not do that. Yeah. On a you're, three you're on not healthy enough for that. On a three-on-three, three, you know Wayne's not back-checking. Nope. <laughs> Wayne's hanging at the red line. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, Drew Daddy going in for the Kings. Any issues with that, Vardy? No, I think that's fine. Uh, I think the only other person I mentioned this, I tweeted this out, the only person I could think of otherwise would be, would be Dustin Brown. It should have but... been Brown, in my opinion. You think so? Yeah, I don't think it's a question. Mm. No offense to Drew Dowdy. No, that's fine. I mean, um, I, and I Drew Dowdy fans, know. but I think Brown's been the Kings' best player this season, consistently, anyway, mm-hmm. so... But again, I don't think that's what gets you in on most most of these things. Mm-hmm. It's star power, name, marketability, whatever. Yeah. Drew, Drew Doughty's always causing a ruckus somewhere. So yeah, that's it, guys. It's going to be a long season. Hopefully, the year is better than 2018. Remind you again that 2018 was not good for the LA Kings, mm-hmm. even though you might think, oh, hey, they made the playoffs last season. Yes, but January on, they were miserable mm-hmm. all the way through to the playoffs. Starting out the 18-19 season, I don't have to tell you about that. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to our last few episodes. Bannermanpodcast.com. You can subscribe so you don't miss any of that stuff. That's right. And if you want any future episodes where me and Vardy are most likely complaining about the team, do subscribe to us on iTunes, <laughs> on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, anywhere, everywhere. All the apps, all the things that allow you to listen to a podcast. The Bannermen are there waiting for you and leave us a review guys because reviews help us in many ways they help us know if we're good or bad even though we're pretty sure we're awesome Mm -hmm. they also help us get better they help us gauge how many people are listening following and also if you haven't noticed we listen guys we listen to you we engage with you on twitter so give us a follow on our twitter too vardy anything else no, no, I'm good. I think we, uh, I think we covered it all. I'm sorry if it's sounding a bit repetitive, but really, it's 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 been a, a tough haul so far, and uh, yeah, we're just trying to get to the trade deadline, guys. We really, uh, I mean, that's that's going to be a good episode. And by we, I, I mean you that. Vardy and I, you guys, the LA Kings mm-hmm. as a whole. I think everyone. That's not to say they can't make trades before then. I, I think Correct. the last couple of years, the Kings have have snuck out like this late January kind of trade before the deadline. Uh, last year was the Fanuf Gabrick one. So, you know, I, I think right now we're in the thick of that point in time where it's very clear what direction things are going. And, uh, and Blake probably has a little dartboard up in his office and knows 
who he's going to be moving. And I think the phone calls are really going to be starting in earnest, probably by the mid to late, late uh, January. So I would not be shocked to see some more movement by the end of this month. Question for you before we go. All right. Being a Gabrick fan that you mm-hmm. are. Yes. If you had a do-over on that FNUF for Gabrick trade, knowing that Gabrick is on IR basically seemingly forever. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do on that one, big guy? I would I would let him ride off into the California sunset, my friend. I wouldn't send him to Ottawa at all. I would just let him retire, go LTIR, go snowboarding with Joffrey Lupul, whatever it is that he wants to do with his life. Because every game, Dion Phaneuf proves that he is no longer an NHL defenseman, in my mind. Vardy has he is, spoken. He is a $6 million, 12-minute defenseman. And those 12 minutes... More than likely, he's going to get scored on. Yeah. Go, Kings. Go, Kings, go. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.